This is The Runwave, candid chats with real runners about topics that affect the running community. This show is sponsored by Midstrike Magazine, the first diverse digital running magazine. Use code The Runwave to save 20% off of your magazine subscription. Visit midstrikemagazine.com for more details. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Runwave podcast. I am your host, Kim. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the show. If you are a return listener, welcome back. I know it's been a minute, but I'm back. (laughs) So before we start, if you haven't done so, be sure to follow the Runwave on all social media platforms. Just search for The Run Wave, one word, and you'll find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, you can also subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. Just open up the app, search for The Run Wave, three words, and hit follow or subscribe. And the app will notify you every time I upload a new episode. You can also go to therunwave.com. There will be a pop up box on the screen. Put in your email address, and I me personally, this is a one, one woman show. <laughs> I'll send you an email each and every time I upload a new episode. All right. So today's show is going to be all about my Tokyo marathon experience. Um, I know it's been almost a month since the Tokyo marathon ran, but y'all, I got back on a Thursday by Saturday. I was feeling sick and then I tested positive for COVID. So it's. <laughs> You know, I wanted to recap quickly, but COVID got in the way, you know, I didn't have it bad. I just had like cold symptoms, but, you know, after the cold comes a cough and the cough lasted a while. So we had to clear all of that out and make sure that everything was on the up and up. Y'all don't want to hear me coughing through the episode. So that's why it was a longer wait. (laughs) But yeah, I'm going to tell you um, how I got in to Tokyo, the underrated way, the way that I think is totally underrated and a lot of people are missing. I'm going to tell you what the entire trip cost me, um, what I did, who I did it with. It's, it's, it's a whole story. So let's get into it. First, let's talk how I actually got into the race because most people I think get in by uh, doing the charity option. And with Tokyo, they don't allow you to set up a fundraising page and get your friends to donate money. They want their money right away. And for uh, this year's marathon, they actually had kind of a quote unquote lottery per se. So you had to bid an amount that you wanted to donate. I think the minimum was like $750 to a charity. So you would pick one charity. They only let you do it once. You would submit the amount that you wanted to bid. And then that charity would let you know if you were chosen for the marathon. And for uh, this year, they actually took everyone. So I think that a lot less people applied for the charity option this year because there's no way that everyone got in. That that just never happens. And the, I I don't know if there were spots left over after because I didn't hear anything about people being offered spots afterwards. But everyone who applied through charity got in. Even the minimum bid got in. People that 
overbid. They just overpaid when, you know, so it's a good thing that everyone got in this year because the marathon hasn't ran at full capacity since before COVID. So yeah, this was a pretty good year to run the Tokyo Marathon. How I got in is a little bit more unconventional, kind of unconventional. So Tokyo Marathon has this series where um, they do virtual races. They do them once a month. It's open to everyone. And all you have to do is sign up and pay. (laughs) And I just so happened to, I'm in a Facebook group uh, called World Marathon Majors. It's run by Robert Wang. Uh, He was on the podcast last year talking all about the Boston Marathon, the ins and outs of getting in and blah, blah, blah. Go back and listen to that episode. But his group is a wealth of information and he will give you every option to get into every world major, every scenario. He is so analytical and he breaks down everything for you so easily. And I've been in this group for years following his tips, tricks, and advice. It is all worthwhile. And in this particular instance, it really, really paid off for me. I got very lucky. So Tokyo has virtual races um, every month. You fill out the online form, you pay, and you complete your virtual miles. Now, you have to complete the miles over like a week period, eight-day period. So I applied, this was the first time I applied on April 30th of 2022. So I paid the entry fee, and I think it was around 12 I want to say it was $11.59 to the entry fee for the virtual race. And what they do is they give 50 spots into the Tokyo Marathon for each virtual race. And it's a random draw. I entered the draw on April 30th. Um, I had the time period to complete the mileage was May 21st to May 29th. And you just have to complete over that eight days, a cumulative mile total of a half marathon. So I think during that time, I may have been doing a couple of half. So I used one of those races as you know, the mileage for this virtual and uh, they have, I think it was linked through Runkeeper or Asics, one of those apps. So I I run with the Coros watch now, but I ran with my Garmin because Coros isn't uh, integrated with those apps. So I use my Garmin during the race, and that's how I recorded my miles for that particular race. Now there's no standing for the virtual. There's no getting in by time, and there, there's no there's none of that. You know, it's just a random drawing for a virtual race, and it's really just a money grab. It's a way for these companies to make more money because you know virtual racing is just it's not really racing it's paying to run by yourself (laughs) so yeah I have from May 21st to May 29th to complete my mileage on May 30th of 2022 I received the email saying that they received my mileage and I was in the drawing then on June 3rd Um, They sent out an email about the next challenge, right? Before we even got the results of the current challenge. So like, here is the little caveat. 
Like they get your money for the next challenge before you get the results of the current challenge, which is is such a money. This whole race was a money grab. They were in my pockets like every step of the way. So I actually paid for the next version. Like I was going to pay for the $12 every month until I hit. Okay, so I paid on June 3rd for the next virtual race. So I paid again. This time, you know, it it depends what the conversion rate is because the fee that you can pay is a little bit different. So the second time it was $11.58, which is a one cent difference. I guess the dollar was a little bit stronger against the yen at that time that I paid. So they got my funds again on June 3rd of 2022. And then on June 6th, they sent an email out. And if you're watching this on YouTube, I'm going to put all of this um, up on the screen so you can see, you know, the details of these emails. You can pause it and read it to see how everything goes. So on June 6th, they sent me another email and the email said... It is our pleasure to announce that the final ranking is now available and can be viewed on our official event page. And there was a link. So I clicked on that link and on each uh, race, you get an entry ID, like a long number. So you search, they'll have a, a grid of 50 numbers of all the entry IDs that want an entry. And I looked on that grid and my number was on that grid. I was shocked. I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. So at that time, I mean, I saw the number there, but nothing is official for me to me until I actually register for the race. So yeah, I saw the number there, but I, I didn't say anything to anyone because I didn't believe it was real. I mean, what are the odds that you enter a virtual race, pay $12 and get an entry into a world marathon major? Like, the odds have to be slim pickings, but somehow I got in on the first try. So that was on June 6th. Then on June 15th of 2022, I received an email that I was a winner. So first they sent out a link and you have to search for the number yourself. I didn't know if it was real or not. My number was there, but I didn't receive anything else official. Then on June 15th, two weeks later, I received the email saying that I was a winner of the Tokyo Marathon 2023 entry ticket winner of the Run As One seventh challenge. So that was the seventh challenge of the year. And I got it on the first try, which is for it. Yo, 2022 was like the best running year ever for me because I got Boston, I got London, and then I got an entry into Tokyo Marathon. Like, what are the odds? What are the odds? Yeah, I got that email. And in that email, it said that we would receive further information in November. It's June of 2022. The email said we'll get more information in November. So I still didn't think it was real at that time. I mean, until I get the link, I pay and I get, you know, confirmation that I'm registered for this race. I don't think it's real. So at this time, I told two people. I told my husband I, I probably got in. And then I told Jesse, if you listen to this podcast, you know who Jesse is. That's the only two people that I told because I still didn't think it was real. And I certainly wasn't making a, like, I'm not one to make public announcements on social media. I never do that. You'll know I'm running the race when I show up at the race. That's when you'll know. 
<laughs> so I didn't tell anybody, but in the back of my mind, I knew that I probably wasn't going to do Tokyo. Like, I don't want to get my hopes high until I actually register for the race. But, you know, I felt like it was going to happen. Since I felt like it was going to happen, I didn't get, I wasn't officially, officially in yet. I went ahead and booked a hotel just in case. So on July 27th, I uh, booked, I put booked two hotels. I put them on hold. So there was no prepayment for the hotels. I used booking.com because they give me a lot of airline mileages for purchases. So <laughs> just a little tip of trick. If you don't, you know, I'm a, I'm a Hilton loyalist, but if I'm going like out of the country and I'm not staying at like a, you know, a Hilton, then I'll use booking.com to book my accommodations. So I reserved the the Knot and Daiwa Roynet, which are two hotels which are in close proximity to uh, the start line of the marathon. And um, they both have free cancellations like up until a week before the arrival. And so I booked both just in case. I mean, you never know. Hotels cancel your rooms. They want to change your date. Like anything can happen. So I had two hotels on hold and I booked them from March 3rd to March 7th of 2023. And I booked those dates because, you know, I just wanted to come to Tokyo, I think on a Thursday and then leave by like Monday, which was... uh, it was, I don't know how I thought that was going to happen because there it's a 14-hour time difference between New York and Tokyo. It takes like un, basically almost a day to get there once you factor, factor in all the time differences. So there was there's no way you could do this trip like in uh, four days. There, if that's your plan, don't even do it. Like d- d- take it out of your head. <laughs> so initially I booked March 3rd to 7th and that went out the window down the line. So the price for that hotel from the 3rd to the 7th was, I ended up saying at Daiwa Roynet because the knot was like a, a COVID quarantine hotel. And they sent an email to one of the runners who was booked before March 1st that, you know, they had to cancel her accommodations because the hotel was still closed and it wasn't reopening until March 1st. Like, I don't want to get into all of that. So I, I ended up canceling that the reservation at the night and I stayed at Daiwa Roynet. So that hotel was $471.66 from March 3rd to March 7th, which is, which was not that bad. So three, four, five, six, seven. So five nights divided by four, seven months. Like that rate was incredible. You don't find like deals and the hotel was nice. It was really big. There was a 7-Eleven connected to it. Um, it had a restaurant in the hotel. It it was nice. You know, all the rooms in Tokyo are small, so don't expect to have some huge suites. But yeah, for that price, like y- you can't beat it. So the the race stayed in contact throughout the process. They sent the email on July 29th saying that um, the payment for the race would be due November 7th to December 2nd. So you had that little seven... You had like almost nearly a month to pay for the race. I wasn't taking that chance that my entry was going to disappear. So I paid right away. (laughs) So um, on October 27th, we got another email saying like the date was approaching. So they kept us in the loop. Then on November 6th, that the golden email arrived. It was time to pay. So that email, you know, it said action required regarding your Tokyo entry marathon ticket. And I don't know why they called it a ticket, but they did. 
So, you know, they let us know that we're pleased to inform you of the schedule for the entry and the payment for Tokyo, uh, blah, blah, blah. There was a link and I, I paid it the next day. I wasn't waiting. So I paid it on November 7th. The price for that was 25,300 yen, which amounted to $173.17. And then the back check fee was additional. <sighs> Like, remember I said before they were always in your pockets, they were always in my pocket. So the back check fee was $8.84. I paid it because it's a point to point race. You know, it's full. What is it? It's, it's early spring in Tokyo. You know, if you live in New York, they kind of have the same weather, but you know, spring could be hit or miss. It could be 50 degrees one day, 30 degrees another day. So I just paid for the $8 for the back check. Once I paid those fees and the email came saying your entry payment was received, like then I was in, (laughs) then I knew I was in for sure. So that was November of 2022, which, which is when I felt secure that I was in Tokyo and that I would secure that six star medal. So yeah, it was a little bit of a, I don't know, it was like a humbling moment because I mean, how many people, women, black people do you see that look like us that have one of these medals. And if you if you're listening to to this, I'm showing right now my uh 6-star medal. You know, there's there's only 11,000 people in the world that have this medal. And your girl Kim is one of 11,000. I don't know what I don't know if they break that down by ethnicity, by race as well. I would be curious to know like how many black people have this medal because you you know y'all we are (laughs) if you travel for races you know that you go to these races and sometimes you can count on your hand how many of us you see so it's I would be curious to know how many of us actually have a six-star medal I mean of 11,000 I'm sure it's probably not even five percent probably not even three percent who knows but it's not a lot but yeah it's it's just like a humbling and just awe-inspiring experience to be able to be one of the 11,000 who have the medal. Okay, back to the show. (laughs) Getting there. I booked my airfare on July 20th. Not July. I booked my airfare on January 20th of 2023. So like two... Not even two months. I left the, yeah, about a little under two months before I left. I left on uh, February 28th. So I was watching the airfare for months since I saw that initial email that I was getting an entry. I was watching the airfare and the airfare never budged. It was about the same price all for, for seven or eight months. It was the same price. It never went down and never went up. It was just steady for, um, Connecting flights and uh, direct flights, it was steady. You know, I had alerts set on Hopper and on Google Flights. And if you use Hopper, you know, Hopper will tell you, you know, the flight is holding steady, wait to book. You know, the flight might go up in X amount of days. You should book now. The flight is going up soon. You should book now. So I got one of those emails. The flight is going up. You should book now. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that came in January. I booked the flight January 20th. And, you know, I'm an American Airlines loyalist. That's where I, you know, try to fly the majority. Because when you're loyal to an airline and you build status, you get nice little upgrades to business and first class. You know, you get priority checking on your bags. You, there, there are benefits to being loyal to an airline. So I knew I was booking with American. And American's partner in Japan is JAL, Japan Airlines. I flew from... New York, JFK to San Francisco SFO, and then San Francisco to, did I go to Haneda or Narita? I think I went to Haneda going. Don't quote me on this. The one that's further away from Tokyo, that's the one I went to. And coming back, I went to the one that was closer to Tokyo. So yeah, I, I don't remember if it's Haneda or Narita, but there's two airports in Tokyo, H&D and NRT. So I uh, came into both of them. And um, the price I paid for my flight was $1,365.05 for one round trip connecting flight from JFK to Tokyo. The price for the direct flights were like at least $1,000 more. And I mean, I could have went direct, but I would have rather saved the money. I don't mind taking connecting flights, especially if I'm saving some coins. So I went with the connecting flight. Um, on the first flight, we did get upgraded to business class, which was great. Um, it was nice to be able to eat well and lay, fl- lay flat and sleep during that flight. But, oh, God, on the Japan Airlines flight, you know, we were in the front, so we had extra leg room. But, yeah, it would have been nice to have... <laughs> upgraded on that flight as well. It is not fun flying in economy for 10 hours. That's a 10 hour flight from the West Coast to Tokyo. It's a long time. So that was the flight. Um, When we landed, we got to customs. Customs was a mess. It was like, I think it was a few flights that came in at the same time. So there were a lot of people waiting to clear customs. So I think we were in there for like an hour at least. And I had like on a t-shirt, I had a hoodie and I had a jacket over that. I had to take the jacket and the hoodie off because it was so hot in there. I was sweating. You have to wear a mask everywhere in Tokyo. You had a mask. It was, it was, it was a lot to having gotten off of a 10 hour flight and then have to stand up for an hour waiting online to, there, there's a lot of lines in Tokyo. And that was one of them. (laughs) So once we cleared customs, once we got our luggage, it was time to, I I like to take the train when I travel just to get familiar with the transit system. And most of the time the train is just quicker than getting a cab, depending on where you are. You know, sometimes it is quicker to get a car, but sometimes it's just quicker to jump on transit. Being from New York, that's the way I grew up traveling, so I'm used to it. So um, we look for the signs for the train. We got some yens out of the ATM. Not a lot. I think I got like 30 to $40 worth of yen. I, mostly everywhere to credit cards, you did need yens sometimes to pay for things like if you went to small mom and pop shops or smaller restaurants they didn't take uh, our credit cards they had their own payment system so the yens came in handy but the majority of things I paid for with my credit card now remember I said I booked the hotel from the third to the seventh so I needed some somewhere to stay from the first to the third right so I booked a hotel called Bespoke Shinjuku 
from the first to the third. And it was like a really cute boutique hotel. It was very modern. You know, they had a small little breakfast spread. It was it was just like coffee, um, bagels, stuff like that in the morning. And, you know, the people that worked there spoke English. What was all the hotel workers spoke English, which was great. And that cost me three hundred seventy four dollars and thirty three cents from the first to the third. So for two nights, it was like a little over one hundred and fifty a night, which is much more than I paid for the first hotel. But this was pretty much a last minute booking. So that's probably why it was higher. And, you know, the prices went up because I tried to book the hotel I was in from the first hit there, but it was just too expensive. I think they wanted like two fifty a night and I wasn't paying that much. So, yeah, but this hotel was great. It was like right in the hopping area of Shinjuku. You walked like right around the corner and you were like in the middle of the nightlife of Shinjuku. So if you're, if you plan on staying in Tokyo in Shinjuku, look up Bespoke Shinjuku. It's, I highly recommend that hotel. It was great. So first full day in Tokyo, we headed to the expo and the expo was at a big site Tokyo, which is like a convention center. It's like similar to um, the Javits Center. And let me tell you, that expo was a mess. I don't know if it's because it was like the first day and they hadn't done such a large scale event in a few years, but it was just lines after lines after like I've never been to an expo where it took me like two hours just to get in and get my bib it was just it was so ridiculous like I was over it by the time I got my bib I was over it so there was a line to get in then you had to get on a line so they can check your health app. There was a health app for um, Tokyo. We had to input our temperature for one week before we arrived. You had to um, input if you had any symptoms. They wanted to make sure, you know, we weren't spreading COVID around, which I ended up getting anyway. So someone was spreading it around. <laughs> but, you know, there there was a line to check the health app. Then you had to get online to pick up your bib. And the bibs were broken down. But the line they sent me to, there was like no one. I got my bib and I was done. But the people that I were with, a lot of them were scheduled to run in 2020. So they were sent to another line because they were given their medal from 2020. And that line was ridiculous. Like it was so long. And then after that, if you purchased a shirt, because there was no race shirt, like how do you have a race and you don't give a race shirt for a world major, you had to purchase a race shirt and the shirt was hideous. If I can find a picture, I'll put it up. The shirt was, it was just a white shirt and it was just, and I don't think there was a woman's fit either. It was just such, I was disappointed. Like I've never been to a major and not gotten a shirt. So yeah, I didn't get a shirt from the major, but if you ordered the shirt, you had to get online to get the shirt. So add another 40 minutes to that, 40 minutes to an hour. It was, it, And then if you wanted official race merch, you had to go to the A6 store and get online. Wait another 30, 40 minutes to get into the A6 store, who, by the way, didn't have any race jackets. Like I didn't want a jacket, but the people that I went with, they wanted their major marathon jacket. Like I don't care about that stuff anymore. It doesn't matter to me. You know, I can get other 
apparel that references the race that doesn't have to be from the race sponsor that looks way better than the race sponsor gear anyway. But they had no jackets. A lot of the items were sold out in the A6 store. It was just a cluster F. It was a cluster F. And yeah, it was just a big disappointment, quite honestly. One of the most disappointing expos that I've been to. But on day two, I saw that some people got in and out. So maybe it was just day one and so many people were there and they were just overwhelmed with the amount of people and I don't know. But apparently they got their act together for the next day. Some people... I mean, I just saw a post where people said that they were in and out and they didn't have the same problems. But ASICs, they didn't restock any of the gear. And yeah, it was just, I wish I could have just asked someone to get the bid for me and save the, the commute. Because it was like 45 minutes away from Shinjuku. It was a long train ride. It was not a, you know... The, I think it was like $6 or something like it it wasn't a cheap chain train ride so yeah it was it was definitely uh, not my favorite expo to go to another thing i didn't like <laughs> i was going in the expo on that but i forgot my race belt at home you know i mentally packed it i meant to take it and i still forgot it so you know the race belt like the triathlon race belt where that you hook your bib into it, you know, you just put it through the hole and it clips on and you don't have to put the bib with pins and stuff on. It was one of those belts and it had a little pouch. My favorite belt, I forgot it. So there was only one store in the expo that carried, you know, some sort of similar thing but none had what exactly what I was looking for. So I left there without a race belt. I ended up buying one um, a couple nights the Sunday night, I went out to Alpine, which is like a sporting goods store, like similar to a Dick Sporting Goods. They had a similar kind of belt that I was looking for. So I ended up getting a belt from there instead. But yeah, it was just, it was disappointing expo overall. So Friday night, I hosted a meet and greet for black runners that were running the marathon. I actually created a group on Facebook. There was a group that was already created, but the group was pretty dead. There, you know, there weren't any events happening or much chat or anything like that. So I created my own group. I invited a few people that I knew were going to the marathon and they invited people and then they invited people and, you know, the group just grew. So Friday night, I hosted a meet and greet at a restaurant called Soul Food House. You heard that right. Soul Food House is a black owned soul food restaurant in Tokyo. I found it just searching black owned restaurants in Tokyo on answer. You know, I, I thought it would be probably a slim to none chance that I would find a black owned restaurant in Tokyo, but there was this gem of a place owned by two Americans who live in Tokyo. They opened up a soulful restaurant. You know, I hit them up. I let them know that we had a group of black runners coming, you know, to Tokyo. And if they would be interested in, you know, having us at their restaurant, and they said, sure. So, you know, I set everything up with them, you know, let the group know when the time and place and everyone was down to come. And yeah, we had a good time. We ate good soul food in Tokyo which I didn't expect and you know everyone got to meet we were talking to each other on the internet for ever and you know there's people that you talk to online and you may only meet one or two times in person so it was nice to put a 
face. I mean, we see each other's face, but a voice <laughs> to the fingers that type online. And, you know, it was just a a, a good time had all, all around with good food and good people. So I was glad that I was able to put something together for all of us to meet and, you know, politic in Tokyo. It was a good time. And the food was amazing. So if you're ever in Tokyo and you want a little taste of home, make sure you check out Soul Food House. They're on Instagram under the same name. And, you know, I want to thank them for hosting us at their wonderful establishment. So Saturday, I set up a shakeout run. The shakeout run was at Imperial Palace, which is where the emperor, I think, don't call me on that, used to live. I heard that, I didn't verify this, I heard that they, he or she or whomever no longer lives there, but we didn't go in the palace, around the palace. They have a nice um, 5K running path. It's paved. And, you know, th- there was a lot of runners out there that were running the race. I hear that it's like a standard running path that runners just use um, in the area. I set up a shakeout run at Imperial Palace. Uh, people showed up who weren't even in our group on Facebook, which was nice. And just people that I hadn't seen in a long time showed up as well. So it was nice to just get like a leisure, you know, little run to loosen up the muscles before the big dance. And that was a 5k loop. There was like a huge moat around the palace, which was interesting as well. But Tokyo like felt like home. It had like such a city vibe. I guess you have to go to like other parts of Tokyo to get that more cultural feeling. You know, there's spots here and there that have, you know, those historic looking uh, structures. But a lot of Tokyo is just like steel steel buildings, very modern. You know, their Shinjuku looks like Times Square. It's lit up at night, all night. Like Tokyo doesn't sleep. Tokyo should be the city that doesn't sleep because you can go out at midnight and get ramen. Like, I love it there. (laughs) But yeah, we did the shakeout run. That was great. And, you know, for the rest of the night, I just chilled. I did do a little pasta dinner in the hotel. There was a restaurant that served American food. I saw they had pasta on the menu. So I was like, let me go here and eat some pasta for dinner. They also had burrata on the menu, which I cannot turn down. Anytime I see burrata, it was the biggest mistake that I ever made. Because before, as soon as the check came, my stomach was rumbling. (laughs) And I was up and down all, all night long. Like I got really no good sleep the day before the race. It was really bad. It was so bad. Like, ugh. I'm lucky I even made it out the front door in one piece, actually. It was just, <laughs> it was real. Listen, if you see burrata on the menu and you're in a foreign country that shouldn't be making burrata, skip the burrata. <laughs> so that's what it was bad. Race day, you know, the hot- my hotel was in Shinjuku. It was, I picked it because it was close to the start. I wanted to be able to roll out of bed 10 minutes before the race and go to the race, but that didn't happen <laughs> because... I I probably left like an hour before the race and it was five minutes away, the star line from my hotel. But the reason being, a lot of the streets were close to traffic. They had them closed off to walking as well. So you can only walk certain ways to get into, 
your corral. So I left from my hotel. I went to meet some friends at the knot. And then we had to walk. So I where our corral was, was directly across the street from the knot in a little park. But we had to walk all the way down, walk left, right, down, around. It was just a, a, a maze to get to a spot that was right across the street from where we started. It was just... I think logistically they could have made things a lot easier for runners. It was, it was a lot of maze work waiting. It was a lot. There was a line to get to the corral. There was a line to wait online to get into the corral. If you had a bottle of water, if you had any liquid, they took it. They did not let any liquids into that corral. The bottles of water and liquid that were on the tables, the floors, it was crazy. Like they took everything. And, you know, they look through your bags. Like if you had a bag, they look through through your bag and they put a sticker on it that it was, you know, reviewed by security. But yeah, it was just... It was a lot. Like you had to have the health app ready to go. Your app had to be green, not red, showing that you did all the health checks. They checked that. And then once you got into the corral, if you had to use the bathroom, there was a line for the bathroom. Like there was a line for everything. <laughs> I mean, you know, there's always lines for porta potties, but these lines were just like, I didn't have to go, but I was like, let me go anyway, just to get whatever's in there out. But we were online and they started announcing that the corrals were closing. And I read that once that corral closes, they're not letting you in. So I got up the bathroom line and I went online to get into the corral. So the line for the corral looped around this park forever. Loop-de-loop-de-loop. You know, we were in that line for like an hour. It It was just a long day of being on your feet and waiting for something that I thought would be logistically easy because I was so close to the start. It was just... It was a lot. Once the race finally started, once I finally got to the race. Now, Tokyo is a point-to-point race. You have seven hours to complete the race from the time that the first person crosses the start line. So it's gun time, not net time. So I was in the last corral, corral L. I wasn't in the back. I was like in the middle of the corral. So by the time I started, I probably had like six and a half hours to complete the race. And I hadn't been training like I should, you know, I had this little nagging, plantis fasciitis mumbo jumbo so you know when I do long runs like I feel it afterward and I was getting tired of feeling the pain afterwards so (laughs) I was limiting my run so I hadn't had a good training cycle for sure so I needed as much time as I could get like I wanted every bit of that six hours and 30 minutes to finish. I needed it <laughs> to finish the race. But Tokyo has checkpoints. And um, I mean, the checkpoint system, I don't get it. I mean, people are saying they need it because the they need to reopen the roads. But the course, you see people on the other side of the course for like after mile six, 
you see people the entire time. So I don't know what roads they needed to reopen. This part made logically made no sense to me. Because if I see people on the other side of the race the entire time, you're not reopening the roads because people are still running on the road. So I don't understand the purpose of the checkpoints. Maybe the the first two checkpoints. Okay. Because the first two checkpoints are 4.9 kilometers and 11.1 kilometers, which is like seven miles ish. And I think like after the six mile point is when I started seeing people on the other side of the road. So, okay, the first two checkpoints, okay. But after that, it was like a checkpoint at 15.4 kilometers, a checkpoint at 20.9 kilometers, 24.7, and then the, the finish line. So, yeah, you had to maintain, I think, like a, in the beginning, for that first two checkpoints, you had to maintain at least like a 13 minute mile to ensure that you made the checkpoints. And as you get further along in the race, the minute per mile pace that you needed to maintain, you know, it got a little bit longer, the further you went along. So yeah, I all I knew was that I was running to mile seven. You know, I was banking as much time as I could get because I knew late in the race I was going to be walking, right? Once I passed the half marathon point, like 16 miles, that's when I'm done. I don't want to go anymore after 16 (laughs) miles. So the last 10 miles of the marathon is always a struggle for me. So I knew that the first seven miles I had to run so I could bank enough time. So later on in the race, I could take more time and, you know, finish at my quote unquote leisure. So yeah, I got to the that checkpoint. But after that, like they have the, the checkpoints, they were on these huge psycho uh, clocks. And it would say, you know, uh, check this checkpoint closes at X time. And I would see the time and check the time. And I knew that I was running like 15, 20 minutes ahead of the checkpoints. So I knew that I banked a little time. I knew it, but I didn't know it. <laughs> so, so if I see a friend on the other side, I would yell, you know, when is the next checkpoint? And they would turn back and they would give me kind of an estimate. So I knew I was ahead, but I just like, this is my last major. I ain't coming back to Tokyo. Like I have to make these checkpoints. So it was a very anxiety ridden, stressful situation. And I kind of feel that it didn't have to be that way because the roads were not closed. So I, I would really like to know the logic behind the checkpoints later in the race, especially like why do you checkpoint at 29 K and 33 K? Like it, 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 it made, it didn't make any sense to me. It just caused a very stressful situation. And you know, when you didn't make the checkpoint, there was a rope. They took a yellow rope and they dragged the rope across the course. And if you were behind that rope, even if you were two seconds behind that rope, they did not let you proceed. And one of my buddies, McKinley, he was on the show. He recorded a video. He was on the other side of the street and they, the, the checkpoint line went up and he, there were people like there was a woman. She was right by the line and she was like in tears 
There were people coming up behind her and they were running and they were like, you can see the look on their face. Like we came all the way to Tokyo to get swept. Yo, I feel like my heart is beating fast just talking about it right now because it's crazy. It's just, I mean, there's no, all the majors have a time limit, right? But there's no checkpoints at any other majors. Like uh, Berlin, what do they have? Like a 615 time limit? Don't quote me on that. And sometimes they extend it a little more, you know, except that one year when it was raining and they shut shut it down. (laughs) But, you know, they have a time limit and they will put those bricks up and won't let you run through Battenberg Gate and you won't get a medal. But, you know, they stop you along. the. But there's no checkpoints. Like, I don't get it. I do not get the checkpoints. It's just hard coming from someone or like it's so hard to get into Tokyo. It is so hard. I think it's going to be harder for 2024 because so many people know that that lottery option was so easy this year. So everyone's going to be trying to get in through that lottery option next year. So yeah, it, it, it is just going to get more and more difficult. The majors are increasingly becoming more popular and to go so far away from home and to get swept because of a checkpoint when you probably could have finished within the time frame, you probably could have finished. It's just, it's gut-wrenching. All right, so once I made that final turn (laughs) and I had like, I think maybe two miles to go, I kind of relaxed a little bit. But let me tell you, the signage on this course was crazy. It was crazy. Like you would see the same kilometer marker because there was no mile markers kilometer markers you would see the same kilometer mark like towards the end I saw the 3k marker like three times I'm like what is going on did y'all recycle the signs that you didn't use from COVID and just put them out more than one time like you never knew where you were because the mile markers were just so off my watch was off. I ended up with over 27 miles on my watch. So I, I didn't know exactly where I was at any point during the race. because so I couldn't rely on my watch. I couldn't rely on the mile markers. Nothing made sense. <laughs> Nothing made sense. Like it, 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 it was crazy. So that last stretch, you know, I was just pushing to to get done because I was I was over it like they said Tokyo was flat they lied they lied like they say Boston is all downhill that is a lie (laughs) trust me trust me it is a lie I mean Tokyo is it's pretty much flat right but it has a lot of um going over these little inclines and going down they're not hills by any means but they're inclines and you know when you start going over those little bridges like you feel that in your calves and if you're doing that over and over and over you feel it and I know I felt it because I was sore still two and a half days later my my quads and my calves were still sore so yeah it's pretty is flat is relative I have not met a flat marathon they be lying (laughs) but yeah it's not flat so once I got to that last stretch and first of all when you finish the race right 
they don't give you a medal. You got to walk. You got to earn that medal some more. So they take pictures of you. This race is odd. Okay. It is so odd. They take pictures of you before you get your medal. Like I looked at my finisher pictures. I don't have the medal in none of the pictures. <laughs> they took them before they, you had to walk like five or 10 minutes after you finished to get the medal. So the medal is pretty small. You know, they do the same ribbon every year. It was like, it looks gold, but when you compare it to the 2020 medal, the 2020 medal is gold and sparkling. This has like a antique kind of gold finish. And so they give you that medal. And then if you get the six star medal, you have to do another turn and head over to the Abbott tents. And then you get the six star medal. Um, I finished, I think, in six hours, 10 minutes. So by the time I got there, like mostly everyone already got their medals. <laughs> so I had to tend to myself. So I got my um, Abbott medal. It's the same one that you see uh everyone have on the back which i thought was interesting for the london marathon it still says virgin money so how long y'all had these medals and how many of them y'all have because y'all the the sponsor is not virgin no more i'm gonna need you to get a new medal Mm -hmm. so we finished the race we um got the bag took the train i changed my clothes outside on the street i wasn't going inside i was over it i just put you know my hoodie on i think i had some pants put those on i didn't even have pants did i i think i had pants i just put the hoodie on put the hat back on and got on the train and went back to the hotel to shower and everything and you know i arranged a photo shoot for the group you know, I don't tell me how, but I found a black photographer that lives in Tokyo who is from the Bronx. If you didn't know, I'm from the Bronx. So his name is Mark and he took out photos and they came out incredible. You know, he took individual photos of everyone and then he took uh, group photos of us. He took photos of everyone who got their six star. There were about 10 of us in our group of black runners that got their six star medal in Tokyo. And yeah, he got the photos back to us the next. I told him we needed these photos for Medal Monday. Tokyo was 14 hours ahead. So you got a little lead time. But we took the photos on Sunday and we need them for Medal Monday. You know, I made sure to ask him that before I booked him and he had him back to us and we posted our professional pictures in the streets of Tokyo for Metal Monday. It was incredible. So, you know, for Tokyo, I think you you really need like a good two weeks to enjoy Asia. It's just like I was there from the first to the eighth and it was it was not enough time because after the marathon, like that Monday, I was tired I was so exhausted from all the running around, running the race. And, you know, you need time to recuperate. And that was my plan to go somewhere warm and lay on a beach for a few days. But everything was so far. Like Thailand was like another nine hours away. Like everything was, Tokyo was far and everything is far from Tokyo. It It's a trek. So we, you know, I just stayed, I think I left Wednesday. So I had Monday, Tuesday, two full days, and then Wednesday, um, I don't remember what time my flight was, maybe two or three o'clock, something like that. We left Wednesday and we got back home Wednesday night, which was nice. But yeah, it was, it was a good trip. I re- I really enjoyed the city of Tokyo, the marathon, not so much. 
<laughs> but you know, the city was incredible. I, it's one of, is one of my, uh, I think out of all of the majors, I mean, New York is number one because it's home, but it's probably my second favorite city of a major. It was, it was, it was a very good time. And so in, I mean, to eat in Tokyo is so cheap. Like a bowl of ramen is $7. You, you, they have McDonald's in Tokyo. They have shrimp burgers that are so good, but you can eat, you can eat good food for on the cheap in Tokyo. Like we did the whole Wagyu experience in a private room. I think that was like $120, $30 for two people which is a lot, but not, I mean, if you did that same thing in, in New York, it'd probably be like three times that price. So yeah, I think the, the pricing in Tokyo was surprisingly not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I like it there a lot. I want to go back. <laughs> in total, let me give you the grand total of what I spent. I know we all, you all see people in going on these trips and things like, you know, they having a ball and, you know, you, you want to get an idea of what it would cost you to, to experience the same thing. This is what I spent for Tokyo. The virtual races, 1159 and 1158. My race entry was 173.17. Uh, back check, $8.84. I stayed in two hotels. One was 471.66. The other was three seventy four thirty three. I had to book the extra night at the hotel because we left on the eighth instead of the seventh, so that was another one fifty four sixty four. And my airfare was one thousand three sixty five oh five. So the total that I spent just for the race for air and accommodations was two thousand five hundred seventy dollars and eighty six cents. So. If you are rooming with someone, you would split the cost of the hotel, of course. So that would be a little bit less. But yeah, airfare for this kind of trip, I don't think it's going, you know, going to get any better unless airfare prices come down, which they haven't in almost over a year. So yeah, that's probably like really the only place that you can save money. It didn't cost a lot to eat in Tokyo. I, I'm pretty sure I spent under five, uh, probably 300, maybe three, probably under 300. I don't know. It wasn't a lot to eat. I mean, I really have to sit down and tally it all up because I did that Wagyu experience. It was more than what it would have been, but yeah, I didn't spend that much. Now, transportation, I think I spent like on Suica, which is their like transit card to get around. I think I refilled my car like twice with, uh, how much should I put? 1000 I think I spent like under $20 on the train, on transportation in Tokyo. So overall, it was expensive, but comparatively, it's not really. I mean, if, look, when you go to Chicago, they want like three, dollars $400 a night for a room. So I think that the Tokyo trip along, I mean, overall with the experience, it, it's worth it the money to do so. Save up your coins for a year and get get going. Get your major done. <laughs> Whew, that was a lot, y'all. That was a lot. But I hope you enjoyed this Tokyo Marathon recap. If you have any questions, feel free. You can ask me on Instagram. You can send an email to hello at the runway.com or, you know, DM, DM me. 
hit me in the DMs and I'll answer, you know, any questions that you have. I hope you enjoyed this recap tuning in. It's uh, it, it, it was a mission. It was a good mission. It ended well. And, you know, I'm just proud and honored that I was able to bring home the prize. I'm going to treasure this for a very long time. But yeah, that's it. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Runway Podcast. And I will catch you on the next one. Later. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of The Run Wave. If you are a runner that has a story to tell, feel free to email hello at therunwave.com or shoot me a DM on Instagram at The Run Wave. Don't forget to follow The Run Wave on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We are The Run Wave on all platforms. Subscribe to our email list. It is listed down below in the notes of this show. And subscribe to The Run Wave on YouTube, the visual episode of this show will be posted there.